The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 25th, 2021. The woman in your life Cause the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a beautiful day we woke up to here in Sonoma County. The rain just felt like it just cleared the air and it just smelled so good. Thank you, Great Rain, for for blessing our community. I'm really, really excited when I saw it and heard it. It was just amazing. Well, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and joining me in the studio this morning is Tatanya Anna. I pronounce your name, Titania Lopez, who is the Director of Victim Services for the Family Justice Center. We will be talking about domestic violence and the services available to those who need help. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. It's a very, very important topic. And let me give you a little bit of a background. Domestic Violence Awareness Month, DVAM, was launched nationwide in October of 1987 as a way to connect and unite individuals and organizations working on domestic violence issues while raising awareness for those issues. Over the past 30 years, much progress has been made to support domestic violence victims and survivors, to hold abusers accountable, and to create and update legislation to further these goals. And I really have to say that our Family Justice Center has really been ahead of the curve for a long, long time in finally getting the recognition and the services and the funding that they need. So it's very, very important. Well, can you believe it? This is the last show of the month for October. Where did the month go? I mean, I can't believe it. We'll be doing the uh, Women's Spaces Pledge, but we're going to do something a little different for the pledge. I had the honor of speaking at the rally at Old Courthouse Square where I heard almost a 100 people, excuse me, a 1,000 people doing the Women's Spaces Pledge with me, and I thought I would play the presentation as something very special for uh, folks who were not there. Suggestion, say the pledge as you hear it. This was a real honor for me, and it was thrilling. I mean, it was thrilling. Can you imagine a thousand voices coming back to you? reciting this very, very powerful pledge. So I really, really appreciate it. It was just wonderful. And a shout out to Pat Sebo of the Democratic Club. She is the uh, she's the chair for the Democratic Club for Sonoma County and she was the MC. and I have to say she did a superior job. Unfortunately, when we do the speech we did, we're not able to get the introduction so the speech will start right on and then there's something very interesting that happens too also. 
Well, another another celebration this month, October is LGBTQ History Month, a 31-day celebration to honor lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer achievement and influence, influence on the world, and a time to learn about the history of LGBTQ rights, centering around National Coming Out Day on October 11th. That's very interesting. I guess October 11th, if someone wants to come out and finally say exactly what they're what their orientation is, I guess that's the day centering around National Coming Out Day on October 11th. LGBTQ History Month was first celebrated in the United States in 1994. Amazing. To honor this month, and like a little bit of trivia, you know, the coming out day, like I said, was October 11th. And also the National Organization for Women, Sonoma County Chapter, is hosting a special Zoom presentation this Friday, October 29th from 6 to 8 p.m. Special presentations will be done by two members of the uh, Lesbian Archives of Sonoma County and one of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I just they are so great. You know, to get this Zoom information, all you have to go to is www.nowsonoma.org. That's www.now. S-O-N-O-M-A dot org. Uh, you can also find their newsletter there. You can read up on what the chapter is doing. And by all means, join. It's very important. You know, I don't know if you folks remember what, about two two shows ago we had Sandy Rapp on. And one of the things she said, how important it is that we support the National Organization for Women, our Sonoma County chapter. Very, very important. Well, you know, like we do... Uh, Every show, we do a, a presentation called Our History is Our Strength. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is gonna be the final, the final month that I do uh, women in history because what I'm gonna start next month is, it was very, very interesting. I found an article that said there were a hundred things that women could not do prior to 1973. And one of the things they couldn't do they couldn't get their own birth control. In fact, I remember my husband had to sign when I was married at the time, my daughter's father, he had to sign a piece of paper that he authorized me to have birth control. I couldn't even go to my doctor and have a private conversation. I had to bring my husband in and he had to sign that paper. The second thing was before 1973, we couldn't even get credit cards. So there's about a hundred things that women could not do. And one of the things that really I became aware of during the uh, March rally on October 2nd is how young people, young women particularly, are not really aware of what we as I call ourselves. You know, when I think of it, my age, I'm 81, so I'm the first, kind of the first wave of the second movement for women which started in the 60s. So I'm kind of in the second the second era of it. And when I came to Sonoma State and got involved in women's studies, I was shocked. I couldn't believe the things that I was learning. I, I said, well, where's our history? And as you know, the National History Alliance here in Sonoma County, which was born in Sonoma State, in, in, in uh, Sonoma County, uh, headed by Molly McGregor, spread its wings and the seeds were planted and now we have women's history and all, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. It's just amazing how ignorant I was back then and how much more information women have today. 
And right now, you know, we're on the borderline of, of, of losing a lot of our rights, particularly around choice. And I'm going to say it again. I say it over and over and over. I am not for abortion. I am not against abortion. I am for choice. I cannot go. I do not believe that the government has a right to go in and help that and make laws against what a woman can make over her own body or her own decisions. So it's very important to recognize that. And it's also important to recognize that we have come a long way and we lose our right to choice. I mean, we're really losing a lot. We could lose a lot more. And you know, to all you women out there that are, are broadcasters, you know, some of the, some of the news stations, I hear some of the things women say, I just, I just gag. You know, they have to recognize the shoulders they are standing on. I mean, there were many, many women that stood up. You know, we were waterboarded, we were arrested, all kinds of things happened so we could get the vote, so we could get the right to have equal pay at the job, to, to where we have the right to our own children. Prior to 1973, if you got a divorce, your husband could get the children. It's so long. Hasta la vista, mother. You know, so there's a lot of things that we have gained and a lot of things we looked at. So I think for the following month, that's what we're going to do. We're going to review some of the things that we have gained that are very, very important. You know, it's really interesting. Sometimes I go downtown on 4th Street here in Sonoma County, and I'll be walking around, and I see these young, beautiful women. I mean, they're tattooed from head to toe. And I say to them, you know, this is amazing. I may not get a tattoo, but I'm not going to stop you from getting a tattoo. That's choice. You have a choice to do with whatever you want with your body. If you want to decorate it, if you don't want to have a child, whatever it is that you are choosing, as long as you do not do any harm to another human being. Amazing, amazing thought. So let's go ahead. Let's look at our history as our strength because this month, you know, I think it's really, really interesting. Well, let's say happy birthday. Okay, happy birthday was on October 27th, 1940, and she's still alive. Maxine Hong Kingston, award-winning author of The Women Warrior, an autobiography about Chinese-American female experience. An amazing book. So happy birthday to Maxine Hong Kingston. And then another happy birthday, uh, October 28th, she was born in 1842, Imagine being born in 1842. Women didn't even have the vote. And she made her transition in 1932. Anna Dixon, she was an orator, an early champion of the rights of women and blacks, supported interracial marriage, and attacked the double standard of morality. Can you imagine a woman born in 1842 standing up? For that, it's just, it's just amazing. And then October 23rd, 1910, this is not a happy birthday. Uh, it looks like she's still alive. Blanche Stewart Scott is the first American woman pilot to make a public flight. Now, this was very interesting when I saw this. Blanche Stewart Scott is the first woman pilot to make a public flight. I always thought it was Amelia Earhart. You know, it's really interesting. So it was interesting. And what I did was is I did some research. And it turns out that Blanche Stewart Scott is the first American pilot to make a public flight. And that happened in 1910. Can you imagine? Before we even had the vote, this woman had the 
courage <laughs> and the audacity as a woman to go and get in an airplane and take the first flight. And she was very, very, she was actually, she did all kinds of stunts and all kinds of different things on these airplanes. But what happened, the historical part of it is, is in 1938 was when Amelia Earhart made her flight, and she was actually the first woman to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. So you have Blanche Stewart Scott, who actually was the first woman who stepped in a plane and actually went up to the air. And then in 1938, it was Amelia Earhart, who was the first woman to uh, fly across the Atlantic uh, Ocean. And it's so amazing. I mean, it's another example of how in the past our history was was hidden from us. I mean, really, when you start thinking about it. So special acknowledgement to these wonderful, wonderful women. Just amazing. Well, another historical thing that's happened this week is, uh, you know, it was, we're living in now time, so to speak. Friday, this Friday, last Friday, marked the eighth anniversary of the death of young Andy Lopez, a 13-year-old Santa Rosa boy who was shot and killed by Sonoma County Sheriff Deputy uh, Eric Gelhaus in 2013. You know, I was very, uh, very, very uh, involved with the the whole issue and and the reason that I got so involved is that because I'm a mother I'm a grandmother and now a great grandmother and when I heard the story and found out what happened to this young boy all I could think of is oh my god this could happen to any child and as a woman I must stand up and stand with these people well they had a special uh, observance day that was held at Andy's Unity Park. It was a beautiful day. Unfortunately, I could not, I could not attend. I lit a candle and did a special little prayer. But there were many, many activists were there. And I want, you know, community organizations have held an anniversary village, uh, vigil for uh, Lopez nearly every year since it happened. Today, uh, Andy's uh, death and fallout will stoke anger and pain in the community. Even today, even today, we still talk about it. And things things have changed somewhat, but we still have a long way to go to get account- accountability. Uh, I want to do a special acknowledgement and thank you to all the activists who came out, you know, with the weather and everything the way it was, and paid tribute to this young boy. And remembered him. Why is that important? Because we must remember what happened and we must not stop the fight to get accountability with our law enforcement. And when we think of how many young people, particularly young people of color, who have lives have been taken away, for what reason, I still can't figure out. It's so important that as women, as mothers, we stand up against this and we demand we demand accountability. Very, very important. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, when I think about October 22nd, I think, is it a, a celebration? Is it acknowledgement? I think it's part of the grieving. Part of the grieving that a young boy could be shot like this in the streets of our county, of Sonoma County, and all that disrupted, I mean, just the idea that a 13-year-old, that something could happen like this to him, it's stunning to me. So once again, thank you to all the activists that came up, and thank you so much for keeping it alive. Really, it's so important. Well, it's the last Monday of the month, and time to do the Women's Spaces Pledge. 
Well, I thought I would do something a little bit different. You know, I was invited on October 2nd uh, where they had a rally, a gathering uh, for the Women's Rally, the Women's March at Old Count, at Old, uh, at Santa Rosa, downtown at Old Courthouse Square. And in solidarity of the National uh, Women's March that took place on that day, there were over 900 people in attendance. And I incorporated uh, the Women's Spaces Pledge uh, with my speech. And I thought that, you know, it might be a good idea for all of you folks who were not there. Maybe you could listen to the speech and email me at Elaine at womenspaces.com and let me know how you feel, what you thought. Were you inspired? Did you laugh? Did you think it was great or just, eh? you know, but email me. I love to hear from people that are listening to the show to give me feedback because that's how we get better. The more we know about how we're doing, the more we hear from the people that are listening, the better the show becomes and also just to remind you if there's any women out there that you believe that are very very uh, important that are doing some important work please please email me at elaine at womenspaces.com with all their information and i'm happy to see if there's a possibility they could be on and just to give you just to give a little shout out the Peace and Justice Center is going to be having their annual awards, and I'm so excited because one of the young pe- one of the young groups that I nominated, the Sunrise Group, is going is uh, being honored as youth youth group of the of the year. I'm really excited about that. And next, uh, my next show next month, the first show of the month, I'm going to have uh, Shakina Black on, and she's going to be talking about the people who won, the whole idea of, of what the awards are about and how they came about, and also to give you more information on how you can get in touch with the Zoom. And remember, everything is uh, is outlined in Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces.com. Well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to listen to the speech. I just want to warn you, it's 10 minutes long, about what, 10.54, Ken, 10 minutes and 54 seconds. And then uh, I'll, make, I'll make a little commentary. And Unfortunately, when we made the recording, we did not get the introduction from Pat Sable. So the, the thing kind of start, the speech kind of starts out real, real quick. You know, when I get into it, I introduce myself and talk about the, my middle initial a little bit, and then we get into the pledge. And there's a little, a little interesting uh, scenario that happens during the, this speech that I think was very, very interesting that I, I actually reacted to, and I hope, I hope folks uh, pick up on it. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's go ahead and put that speech on, and we come back. I will have a commentary. Then we're going to take a music break, and then we'll have our wonderful guest on. Become aware of all these people that are here saying no, no to oppression, no to silence. There's a song I listen to, by my silence I give my consent. You know, we're not silent people, we're women, we speak out. Well, my name is Elaine B. Holtz and the reason I call myself Elaine B. is to remind myself that I'm a beautiful child of this gorgeous universe that we all live in. That I do the best I can, no matter what I'm doing. And also, I'm a beekeeper. (laughs) Also helping the bees here in Sonoma County. I wear many hats, and I don't want to overwhelm you by my pinkness, but the reason I wear pink is to honor my sisters in coat pink and Medea Benjamin for all the work that she has done and put herself on the line for all of us women. Let's hear it 
for Toad King. Yes. Living for peace. Peace. No peace without justice. Remember that. Excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt here. We have a missing 10-year-old. We have a missing 10-year-old. Her name is Matilda. Matilda, if you can hear this, we need for you to come over to this tent area, please. So if anyone sees um, a young 10-year-old that appears a little bit frantic, we can bring her over here to this tent. What is she wearing? Do we have her? I'll tell you one thing. She got lost at the right place because we care. You know, we're all concerned about little Matilda, right? Yeah. Everybody concerned that she was lost? Yes. What about the children in war that are being lost? What about the children who don't go to sleep at night with their stomachs empty? What about the children that are homeless? That's what we're here for. Not only the right to choose, the right to choose for what we want for our children and whether we want them or not. I am the host of a show called Women's Spaces on KPBF 89.1 FM. I co-produce it with my partner, my husband, Ken Norton. Let's hear it for KPBF 89.1 FM. Yeah. I'm also the former uh, president for the National Organization for Women, and now they've reduced me to treasure. I get to handle all the money. Aren't I lucky? Well, you know, I can tell you all kinds of things about me, but my focus, my focus is on self-esteem for women. I wrote a poem called, I am women, I am all women. From the beginning of humanity, I have given birth to life. And I have a right to a voice. But most of us, you know, when I listen to the radio, I listen to talk shows, mainly men call in. When I read the Press Democrat, you know, they're a little bit out of balance. You know, mostly men are all writing letters to the editor. And I really believe it's because our self-esteem as women has been beaten down so heavy. We have to worry about how we look. You know, my, my thing was I, I never had a small waist. You know, I never was 36, 26, 36, you know, so I always felt like I was inadequate. You know, look at me. Here I am, 81 years old. I'm not inadequate. No, 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 no. So I want you all to indulge with me. I wrote this little thing for my grandson, Ryan, when he was about six years old. He came out of daycare and said, Grandma, my teacher told me I was a bad boy. I go, what? Your teacher said you're a bad boy? Your self-esteem doesn't depend on what that teacher thinks of you. Depends on what you think of yourself. You're not a bad boy. You're the best boy that God ever created. So what I did is I developed this uh, this pledge for him, and we did it every day, every time I picked him up from school. And when he graduated from Santa Cruz, he came down the mountain reading the pledge to me <laughs> to let me know that his grandmother had an influence. And here I am, my great grandmother. I'm going to be a great grandmother twice. <laughs> you know, come on, the children are our future. We have to raise our self-esteem. We have to know who we are as women and as men. So I'm going to ask you to indulge in this pledge with me. And listen, 
even if you think it's hokey and you don't like it, just get into the spirit of it. Okay? Just get into the spirit of what you're saying. So I'm going to say one line, and you know, I passed out these pink cards. Come, just come, on, come uh, get some of these cards here. Just pass them out. I'm going to read one line, then you follow me, okay? And then and we're going to read the whole thing. It's very short. And then we're going to read it together. But I want you to be warned. If it's not loud enough, I'm going to make you do it over again. <laughs> so let's make sure that, you know, I love what Pat had to say. Stand up. What, uh, what uh, Linda Hopkins had to say. Stand up. My God, Linda Hopkins is the woman that we've been waiting for. The future is in their hands. And Mike McGuire. I love Mike McGuire. I've known him since he was a baby, practically. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful people. So let's do the pledge. First, I'm going to say one line, then you repeat it after me, and then we will say it all together. Okay, I'm going to one, two, three. My self-esteem, My self-esteem does, not depend does not depend on anything, on anything outside, of me. outside of me. My self-esteem, My self-esteem depends, depends on my relationship. My relationship with myself, with myself, and my higher power, and my higher power. I don't care what your higher power is. To me, it's the mysterious universe, the parking fairy that made me help me to park right outside here. That's my higher power, the parking fairy. Okay. All right. So we're going to say it together. We're going to say it together. And like I said, if you don't do it loud enough. We're going to have to do it over again. But I want to hear it real loud because this is so important. You're making a statement that your self-esteem is not going to stop you from moving forward. Your self-esteem is going to generate you moving forward because you know who you are as a woman, as a man, as a human being on this divine, our Mother Earth that we love and we cannot survive without her. So let's go all together. One, two, three. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. I'll give you an A for that, but I'm not going to give you an A+. So we're going to do it one more time for A+. I want to really hear it. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. Come on, let's go. One more time. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Wow, let's give ourselves a big hand for that one. Well, I want to thank you again. It's been an absolute honor for me to be here, to be chosen to speak. And I thank Pat Sabo and the Democratic Club. I'll tell you something. The National Organization for Women, we produced a calendar for the, uh, the, for the centennial last year. We were just honored by the Board of Supervisors, thanks to Linda Hopkins, that we developed a historic document. And if you go over to the booth, there's one copy of the calendar. You can look through it. It's just amazing. And I want to remind everybody of two things that are very important. 
The first thing is, our children are the future. We must invest in them. The second thing is, and remember this, and I want, when you go home, I'm going to ask you to do some homework. There's a song called, By My Silence, I Gave My Consent, by Ellen Bookstill. By my silence, I give my consent. We can no longer afford to be silent. We can no longer be quiet about our children. We cannot be quiet about war. We don't need war anymore. We need food. Remember that thing? Bomb, food, not bombs. That's what we need. Well, thank you so much. Remember to support your public radio stations. We have several, several around here. Listen to Women's Spaces. It's on web, uh, every Monday at 11 o'clock from 11 to 12 on KPBF 89.1. Yes, let's hear it for KPBF. And also, Kevin at KRC, at KRPC. Anyway, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. And when you walk away from here, remember, it's more than just rallies. you got to make phone calls, write letters to the editor. Let your voice be heard. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. The Creator is with you. Like the Native Americans say, the Creator is with us, all around us, every moment of every day. Do not be afraid to speak out. Thank you so much. Wow. Boy, I'll tell you something. Listening to yourself is very, very interesting. But such an important event, such an important gathering, and hearing all those people say that pledge, you know, to say, my self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. What a powerful statement for each and every one of us. Well, I'm telling you, it was a thrill. It was, it, was beyond, it was beyond the pale for me to hear all those people saying that pledge. Well, we're going to take a musical break now. And, you know, I found this song. You know, we're going to be talking about domestic violence. And I found this song, and I'll tell you something. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'm only going to play three minutes of it. But it's called, Who Will Cry for the Little Girl Inside? And when I heard that song, I was so touched. You know, I thought of all these young children who were being abused, all these women who were being abused, and what, what it must have been like before 1973 when we had so many rights were given to us, and what it must have been like without programs like the, like the Family Justice Center. I mean, amazing that they, they handle all this all these domestic violent issues and help women rise above all this. And men also, you know, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like habitual and it, it's how sometimes it runs in families. I mean, it's a very, very interesting phenomenon, domestic violent. And we're going to talk with uh, Tatiana uh, Lopez and she is the, from the Family Justice Center and she's going to talk about some of their programs. And, and remember, everything is listed on Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces.com. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's listen to uh, Who Will Cry for the Little Girl Inside, sung by Shawana Ray, and it tells a story about the pain of domestic violence. So let's go ahead.
goodness oh that song just tears me apart who will cry for the little girl can i have my soul back can i have my heart back can i have my vir- virgin back can i have the peace that was inside me when i was just a child i mean all that from from violence perpetrated on her it's very very sad but at the same time it's hopeful because we're singing about it we're talking about it and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. For you just joining, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members are Women's Spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and joining me in the studio, how wonderful to have, it's like we're almost back to normal here this morning, is Tatiana Lopez, who is the Director of Victim Services for the Family Justice Services uh, Center. Thank you so much, Tatiana, for coming to Women's Spaces, and welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's just amazing. You know, before we start, is it okay if I tell folks just a little bit about you? Of course. Uh, Tatiana Lopez is the Director of Victim 
victim services for the Family Justice Center in Sonoma County. She was born in Central America, which I found out is Honduras, and immigrated to the United States before her 15th birthday. She is bilingual, bicultural. Uh, Tatiana comes from a place where services for victims of crime are unheard of, and many crimes go unpunished, which adds passion to her position. As a student at Santa Rosa Junior College, she knew that she wanted to make a difference in her time, in her time at school, and she knew she wanted to choose a career of helping people. She has worked for the nonprofit private sector and has been in victim services field for under nine years at the district attorney's office for five years. She currently supervises a team of, wow, 13 staff, 10 advocates, two restitution specialists, and an administrative assistant. My goodness, you're a busy woman. What she enjoys about her work is that she's making a difference in people's lives along with getting to meet individuals in our community. One of her personal goals is to build relationships, partnerships with people and organizations to help them make them aware that there is always a lending hand to help people in domestic violence situations. Well, thank you so much. Why, quite a resume. I really appreciate you being here. Well, let's start, Tatiana. Let's start out by talking about what motivated you, your family, to come to the United States at 15 years old. And how did that experience motivate you to pick the career path that you're on now? I think like many local immigrant families, we come looking for something better. We want to improve what we may not have in our home country and we want our family to have a better tomorrow growing up in my family i think i had the support of my parents i had a safe home i was raised to know right from wrong but also know that i could help an individual in a tough situation like you said i believe in a higher power i was raised to believe that you can always help someone who doesn't have the situation you may be in So when I graduated Pioneer High School, I didn't know what to do like many high school graduates, and I decided to stay local. I went to SRJC, became involved in, you know, the private sector, didn't like it. I wasn't making a difference. And so I became involved and learned about the YWCA and learned that there was a way to help an individual who was not in a safe environment out of that situation. Well, you came from an unsafe environment. So what were some of your challenges, and how did those challenges help you work with women and work in that particular area? I think my family was one of those lucky ones that had the opportunity to leave the home country. And in looking for a better tomorrow, my parents knew and raised me to know that I could make a difference for someone here. So back in my home country, um, you know, only the wealthy or the more privileged get education whereas here education is open to anybody and that itself can empower you to have a better future for yourself your children your grandchildren and have that better outlook at life right making a difference i think i think as united i think the people particularly the women in this country on so many levels they forget the blessings and the, how fortunate we are in so many ways. So it's so it's so refreshing to hear you remind us 
the beauty of open education, the beauty of choice, that you had choices you could go. And no matter what level of poverty or wealth you were at, you had a, you could go and get an education. Very, very important. What were some of your, your personal challenges? I mean, did you have to overcome the language? I mean, the, I mean, I, I, I can't even visualize. I know my grandmother came from, from Russia, you know, and, and in talking to you, it gives, kind of gives me an idea of what she must have gone through coming to the United States. Yes, language was a barrier. Um, I came only knowing my Spanish and, of course, not being the Spanish that is usually spoken here. Um, so having a little bit of an accent and someone picking up that I'm not from, let's say, Mexico. Um, so the language is a barrier, but somehow, you know, they do say that at that age you have a sponge of a brain, and I was able to pick up English perfectly fine, uh, incorporated into the culture, um, learned a lot about, you know, I have choice. I have the choice of what I want to do. I have the choice of a safe environment. And I think I turned my challenges to reminding myself when I'm working with a survivor of domestic violence who's fleeing, who doesn't know, you don't have to live in an abusive relationship here. There's laws that protect you. There's opportunity to get help. Um, there's ways to break the cycle. And so I think I remind myself, you know, someone that doesn't speak the language, that doesn't know what's out here, I was, we were at, at some point learning. And it takes everybody some time to learn to know that there is a better option and not be in an abusive relationship. So it sounds like your experience, what your experience taught you is to have courage, to be able to help, and all the other different aspects, and also your appreciation to be able to let other people know how much they have, how much choice they also have. I mean, I'll tell you something, you have really touched my heart. I mean, it's a... It, you know, for folks out there listening, I mean, just hear, you know, people coming for a better opportunity for education, not to be judged by their, their nationality or their, their economic status, but be able to make choices for themselves. So important. Well, let's talk about one of your choices. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you talk, you really are involved with the Family Justice Center. You know, I, I, I know that our district attorney, Jill Ravage, really had a, a strong hand in developing that. Uh, we had her on about Two shows before talking about this. Well, talk about you know what what who do you provide services for, and what, what is the mission of the Family Justice Center? I think the mission can vary from person to person, but the goal is always to provide a safe environment for victims of crimes that need assistance. So October we highlight Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We serve survivors of domestic violence, those individuals that might decide this is the one time where I've decided I need something better for my kids, and they'll call the 707-565-8255, and they'll get screened and get connected to the right service, whether that's counseling, whether that's, that could be a safe shelter, or it could just be information about what your rights could be. And so the Family Justice Center is a one-stop shop, for a better word. You come in, or nowadays in the COVID world, you call, and you get connected to one individual who is trained to assess your situation, to guide you through a safe exit if that's what you're deciding to do. If you're deciding to leave your home, which maybe you can't call home because it's not safe, that individual will be able to help you do safety planning and will be able to support you getting into an environment that is better 
for yourself. You know, domestic violence, like you said earlier, doesn't just um, target a female. It can also target males. It doesn't target a specific class. It, 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 it can impact anybody. Well, before before we go into this, I want you to define exactly what domestic violence is. But before we get into that, you, you mentioned something very interesting, one-stop. You know, that came up in the uh, the last interview of the importance. Talk about why that is important. That a woman can go in. She does. I know in the past we had a uh, we had a family justice center. I mean, we had uh, I think I I can't remember women's law center. I think what they call it. it was a really excellent program. But the problem with it was is that a woman would call or a man would call, and then they'd have to go here, 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 here. And now you have this one stop. So talk about why you think that is important. It's, well, and, and the, it's important because, you know, our county is large and you might have an individual who, because of the situation at home, is not independent or can't drive or doesn't know how to get on a, a, a lift nowadays, right, on your phone, might not have access to technology or might not have the network to provide that ride to go to this appointment. And so a victim or a survivor would have to go, let's say, for about a whole day to try to get to an appointment, ride the bus with maybe two kids that now you have to pull out of school and you're trying to get them to translate to you where where you're supposed to go and are you going to the right spot? Did you get on the right bus? And that itself could mean a barrier each time you run into something negative. And that would reduce you your possibility of actually following through with breaking that cycle of violence. I would think it would give you the feeling like, oh my God, it's bad enough, now I can't even get to the office. So here you have, they walk in and then whatever they need, or they call whatever they need, everybody, there are different programs available to them. You know, it's, it's, it's a fabulous concept you know it really is how is our county different from other counties what do you how do you how do you rate how do you rate sonoma county sonoma county is a vast just has so many resources available we are pretty pretty lucky county because you have uh, law enforcement that knows to identify domestic violence and is aware of resources and can provide them to you when an incident occurs if they go to your house they'll tell you you need to go to this place or this is where you should go to get help you also have individuals like yourself, community members, who are trying to make a difference and getting the voice out and letting everybody know that there is services available. Many times in an abusive relationship, what you will get told over and over and over again is no one will believe you. No one's going to listen to you. And that by being here today, by seeing you know, ads with the YWCA on the purple giant monitor of Highway 101, or you see the Family Justice Center on a Family Life magazine poster, right? You know that there are services available and that everybody's working together to serve this one individual, trying to save this one individual from having to go back to an abusive relationship. Like you said, kids, right? They get, you might think, oh, they're across the hall or they didn't hear it because the door's closed. That's not true. They see it. They see mom crying. They see dad like not being able to take him to the park without mom's permission, whichever way role it might be, right? You know, it's so interesting you say that because the one thing that I remember about my mother and father is one time there was a, a, an a argument over money. You know, my mother wanted certain money and my father wanted to do it. And I mean, 
we heard it, and I remember the feeling of fear. And that was just over money. Nobody was beating anybody or yelling, you know, but just... And I remember that incident like it was yesterday. Well, you know, talk a little bit about... Define what domestic violence is. I mean, what, uh, uh, what, what do you mean by that? I mean, what, what is the range of domestic violence? It can range from verbal abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse... Um, financial abuse, I think, is the the easiest to hide because you might have an individual who tells you, okay, well, I'm going to work, um, I'm going to give you my check, and you're going to determine what to do with the bills. But let's say the bills aren't enough, then now you're having the stress to stretch whatever amount is coming into the household. And you might see, like, oh, I can help out. Meanwhile, the kids are at school, I can go to work. But because this individual has control or power over you, you don't feel like you can. You feel like you have to be there at all times. It's sort of like walking on eggshells. If you feel uneasy with, oh my gosh, he's, they're going to come to work. I'm going to call them because it could be men, it could be females. Um, but they can come home and you're nervous because maybe dinner isn't ready. Or maybe maybe the money wasn't enough to pay that PG&E bill and that extra, you know, charge you had at school for the kids and so you're walking constantly on this heightened sense of danger or heightened sense of something's going to happen so domestic violence goes sort of like the rain cycle there is the happy times then there's the tension building and there's usually an explosion and an explosion could be in a form of a yelling situation emotional abuse or it could be in a sense of power and control with i'm going to control all the money and you don't get to go you know, on a bus ride to take the kids to their medical appointment. Or it could also be now physical abuse. Almost like slavery. It's almost like a person is trapped in a situation where someone has control over them and they, they, they don't have the resources to move out or to move forward. So, wow, that must be that must be suffocating. It's sort of like stuck in between two barriers, right? There's no way out, there's a way in, but you can't get out of that. And even though you're in, it doesn't mean that that being inside, like the shelter in place, like we've been, um, might not be a safe shelter in place because you might have the perpetrator living with you, causing more of a tense situation. Meanwhile, you're trying to remain calm, but maybe you do everything that you can in your mind as perfect as can be, but this individual might not think the same, and then it caused tension building, and then there could be an incident. Right, violence and, and stuff, and and it seem it feels so suffocating to me. You know, being an independent woman myself, you know, I mean, I can't I can't imagine somebody having that kind of control, but it, I can imagine myself wanting to get out of it. You know, especially if there is any harm that's being done. I know, I know this. I, I myself was at one time worked at the YWCA. We had a, a thing called. Um, it was the a displaced ho- homemaker. P- women were coming back to school. And the tensions in the family, because women were coming back to school, trying to elevate themselves was just amazing. So I can I can totally understand that. Well, let's, let's, let's say there's a woman out there right now, Titania, that's listening to us, you know, and all of a sudden she says, yeah, I want to get out of this mess. You know, I want to I want to be- make a better life for myself or, or for my children, or I just want to learn to get along with this perpetrator. You know, maybe there's a way we can we can still remain together if if I get some help. What what would be the first steps? What what, what could she do, and how is her safety reassured? I think the first step would be to get connected to the Family Justice Center. We, I mean, victim services, the district attorneys, um, 
works alongside the Family Justice Center. But let's say you're not quite ready to make a report and you just want to get information about, like you said, how to get out. How can I get some help? Maybe is uh, family counseling an option, right? We can try to answer that question by them having a phone call with a navigator at the Family Justice Center, and they can call 707-565-8255, get connected to a navigator, and present the situation. And they can give them information about resources available to solve their situation. You know, many times we do think, let's work it out for the kids. But many times when you go in an environment like a counseling session, you might think this is totally safe. And I can tell you everything that's been happening that's making me feel not safe. But that, then you're taking all that information back to a home environment that is not safe. And so many times that can be a trigger to an event. Like you don't trust me or something's going on. You know, why do you have to get outside help? Why does anybody have to know? And here's this person trapped in this, trying to improve themselves. Or sort of like, you know, back in the times, it was like, whatever happens at home stays at home or past the door, nothing leaves, right? It doesn't exist like that. Now we live in a world where we can reach out for help. You're not alone. You can break the cycle. And you really got to think about what you, who you're doing it for. Do it for yourself, like you said, right? Or do it for the kids. But ultimately, I think at the moment right now, we all have a choice to decide about living in a safe environment. And so if it's getting out, they could even just call the 24-hour crisis hotline with the YWCA. Um, they have staff 24-7, and they can call 707-546-1234 and just get connected to, hey, what, what's out there? How can you help me? Those are two great resources that we have in our area, the Family Justice Center, which is in Santa Rosa, and then the YWCA, which is available on their hotline. Amazing that we have so many programs for people. How how many people do you think you're serving? I mean, is there a, is there a large population, a small population? What what is what is your general feeling about that? I can tell you from working, you know, as victim services director at the DA's office, um, the largest case referrals we get is for domestic violence cases that come into our office, and that is usually referrals that come through law enforcement. Those are referrals that come directly as police reports. So someone most more than likely was arrested. Um, and so those reports come to our office. And Victim Services, with the DA's office, is able to assist by uh, assigning an advocate that can guide him through the criminal process and can inf- provide him information. And so ultimately, our numbers for domestic violence are one of are the highest crime categories we serve. So what you'll do is you'll leave me all the numbers, and we'll, we'll have them on Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces. So why, what is the first number they should call? And then we have, we've only got about a minute left now. Uh, the the uh, website, the first number they should call, and any last words, any suggestions that you would like to make. I think last words is just know that you're not alone. Know that you can break the cycle. And if there is one number that you should know by heart, it's the 707 Five four six one two three four, and that's the twenty four hour crisis hotline for the YWCA. And I give that one because that's available at three in the morning when maybe that's the only time you get to talk to someone, and you can call the hotline. And through the hotline, you will get connected to additional services like the Family Justice Center and Victim Services with the District Attorney's Office. Well, it's just, just amazing, Tatiana, that you do just a wonderful, wonderful job. So give us the website one last time and any anything else that you'd like to say. 
The Family Justice Center is on Facebook, is on Instagram, um, so you can always go on social media and, and find information about them there. But you can also go to the Sonoma County District Attorney's Office um, county website to get connected to all the local resources that I've mentioned. That's amazing. Well, Titania Lopez, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful interview, very, very informative. And remind my listeners once again that if you go on www.womenspaces that you will have, I'm going to list all the phone numbers and how you can get a hold of Titania Lopez and how you can get a hold of the Family Justice Center. And I just want to do a big shout-out. I mean, they're doing a wonderful, wonderful job. Well, that's it for our show. You know, a special thank you to Titania Lopez, who's the Director of Victim Services for the Family Justice Service, uh, Family Justice Services. A reminder, tell your friends that Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. this evening. I'm so excited I get to listen to my own show. Also, I'm available for speaking engagements, as you heard today. Uh, and if you have <clears throat> any announcements that you'd like to make, like birthdays, etc., please feel free to let me know at www.womenspaces.com. This is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 25th, 2021.